uh, just to give you just a brief background, I was raised, born and raised in a traditional Jewish home, and I'm grateful to my parents for allowing and teaching me and my brother the, something of our background and tradition. I'm first generation born in this country. My father was from Poland, my mom was from Russia, uh, and uh, we had a, in our home, we had a respect for scripture, and also growing up attending synagogue, <clears throat> I learned what is the closest thing to a catechism, which was known in Hebrew as anima amim, means I believe, and there's 13 I believes. You can Google it and you can see what the 13 are. Very evangelical in English, but they've played with it a little bit in the Hebrew. But anyway, um, so I, I, I was uh, raised in, a, like I said, a traditional uh, Orthodox conservative home. And um, there was a haunting question as I approached Bar Mitzvah. Of course, according to tradition, up until the age of 13, all of your, uh, all of your sins go on your father account, uh, father's account. So on the Day of Atonement, he's got to handle both his and, and on yours too. But when you become 13, you become Bar Mitzvah, all of those responsibilities falls on you. And so you raise the Dickens until you're 12, and then when 13, you're in trouble. So, and I was approaching 13, and like I said, I had a brother, and uh, well, not what we did or I did would make any headlines, but if God is holy, I'm in trouble. And so, uh, how do you get forgiven? How do you get forgiven for sin? Because we used to attend synagogue on Day of Atonement, uh, actually Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and we pray to be forgiven. My grandfather was alive at the time, and he didn't have any answers. My dad had no answers. And I'll never forget, we were in a synagogue, not too far from here, over in North Hollywood. <clears throat> and uh, there was a man sitting about four or five rows ahead of us. And I didn't know who he was, but he had a large prayer shawl, and he had the prayer book, which is about the size, just for Day of Atonement, about the size of a hymnal, and uh, in which you pray and ask God to forgive your sins. And it's just page after page after page. And every once in a while, I would see him put the book down, and then he'd smite himself and weep. And I thought, oh boy, there's a guy who really knows. He knows the traditions, he knows the rituals, he knows the language. He knows he's forgiven. And I, like I said, I didn't know him. And so uh, at the end of the service, I made a beeline for him and said, Sir, do you know your sins are forgiven? And I can still see him with the tears still coursing down his cheeks. And he looked at me and he said, Sonny, I only hope so. Oh, you talk about letting the air out of your balloon. I was just, I mean, if this guy didn't know with all the rituals, what chance do I ever have of knowing that I could be forgiven? Well, I was totally discouraged, but I didn't run down to the closest evangelical church because that's just not what Jewish people do and things like that. So, but anyway, um, time went on, and then I was challenged to read the New Testament. Now, here I'm in college. And I'd never read the New Testament. It was a forbidden book in our home. I mean, we had the Old Testament, of course, and prayer books, but no New Testament. And so I read the first verse of Matthew. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. I said, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Those are my guys. What's Jesus doing? <laughs> what are they doing here? What are they doing here? And, and 
And then I was told, well, you have to read past the first verse, which I did. So and so we got so and so and so and so we got so and so and so. This is actually boring until I got down to around verse 22 and verse 23 and says, and thus it was fulfilled which was written by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Well, number six of these 13 articles that I told you about says, I believe with perfect faith that all the words of the prophets are true. And I acknowledge that. So the words of the prophets, true. I'm closing this book and I'm going to check out the Old Testament. So I found all, and Christians are sneaky. They underline things in their Bible. <laughs> and so I found all the verses you put on Christmas cards. You know, the um, birth of the Lord in Bethlehem, birth of a, by a virgin, and all those things. And I started to get scared because, well, I hate to tell you, but I'm old enough to remember when they had Christmas pa programs and Easter pageants in the LAUSD school system. Well, that's about all I knew about Jesus. But what I got from those uh, uh, experiences, it was sure looking like Jesus. And it was scaring me because I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting to disprove this whole thing. And then, of course, the famous Isaiah 53 was underlined and I read it, and it was game over, folks. It really was. I found not only peace with God, forgiveness with God, and a knowledge that my sins were forgiven. I found peace through Messiah Jesus. Because number 12 of the 13 says, I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Messiah, and though he tarry, I will wait for him. Well, I waited for him, and he found me, and I'm so grateful for that. And, well, the rest is kind of history. I, uh, I left the uh, travel business. I was uh, working in Hollywood as a travel agent, and when I was going to John's dad's church in Burbank and ended up at Biola for a couple of years, and the Lord took us out of California for New York, uh, thinking we were going to France, but I ended up in... Uh, French Canada, the Provence de Quebec, and we were there for 12 years ministering, and then we came back in 1978 and been at Grace Church ever since, and um, as a result, uh, we've been with Friends of Israel for that many, many years. So enough of, of that for right now. So as was mentioned, I want to share with you how you can be effective in more effective in your witness to your Jewish friends. So let me see, we got, okay, how's your vision? Jewish evangelism. Okay, why should we witness to our Jewish friends? Well, I've got some reasons here. First of all, if you have your Bible, you want to look at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, where it says, go therefore, Actually, the word go should be having gone, because it's a participle, because the command is make disciples. But the go, therefore, uh, we need to look at verse 18, because Jesus tells us why we should go. For he said that all authority is given to me. 
Where? In the heaven and in earth. That means he has all this authority in all the galaxies, solar systems, universes that the, not just the Hubble, but the Weber telescope is, fine, is uncovering. And beyond that, all authority is given unto him. And I looked up the word authority. The Greek word is exousia. And it means power of choice. That means he has the power to do whatever he pleases. It also has to do with mental power, the ability to think and to plan and to know what the end results will be of that plan. Also, it has the idea of the physical ability to actually carry out such plans. We can plan all we like, but if we can't have the ability to do it, it just goes for nothing. But he has the authority and the power to carry it out. But then he also has the right, the privilege to do what is planned. He has, because we can plan things, but if it can't be done, he can do it. So he has all authority. And then the last one is the power of rule. And his, that authority carries over into the fact that he, his will and commands must be submitted to and obeyed universally. So when Jesus says, all authority is given unto me, go therefore, that's what he's talking about. All authority is given unto me. And so that is the, one of the first reasons why we should witness to our Jewish friends, because he's given us authority to do so. But then we should have compassion. And he saw people like sheep, and that's a long Greek word, I won't even try to pronounce it, but it has the idea to actually, um, it has the idea of eating your, from the insides. You know, we have an expression in English, what's eating you? You know, it's the same idea. Something is, upset, you're obsessed with something. And this is what Jesus was obsessed with. These people were, were uh, as sheep without a shepherd. They were not just, uh, without a shepherd, their condition was that they were weary. They were, they were tired physically, and they were despondent as he looked over the fields. They're, they're, they're faint-hearted, and they were cast down, it says there in Matthew 9, verse 36. They were like being defeated by an enemy. That's what was eating him. The enemy was the sin that was besetting them as individuals and as a nation. And then he had concern, Romans 10.1. Paul says that he had a longing and desire. And the idea of that word is that he wanted this, but it hadn't been happening. His desire was such that he had concern for his people. And then the compulsion, that's another word for power, totally different from the word authority. Why was... Why wasn't Paul ashamed of the gospel? Because it was the only remedy that he knew because it was God's remedy for the condition of his people and for the world. And so that was the reason he was sharing the gospel. So these are the reasons why we should witness to our Jewish friends as well as our Gentile friends because these are the same things that they're running into as well. Now, <laughs> um, there's a lot of misconceptions about Jewish people. Uh, 
Here's a, here's a few of them. All Jews are rich. Well, you're looking at one that's not. <laughs> you're, you're looking at one who's not. <clears throat> and that, uh, well, he looks and acts Jewish. Listen, I've seen Italians talk with their hands. Hey. And, uh, and all kinds, I don't know what Jewish looks like, because Jews can come in all sizes, shapes, and colors, actually. Different, you know, it, we're everywhere. When God scattered my people, he did a first-class job. We are everywhere. And so he looks and acts Jewish. Or then that um, he has, uh, uh, and the Jews know their Bible. Most Jews don't even have a Bible in their home. I mean, they may have prayer books, but, and each prayer book will have a, uh, some verses in it, but may, may not have a whole Bible. So Jews don't necessarily have a knowledge of the Bible. And here's some more reasons about misconceptions. All Jews have rejected Jesus as Messiah. Now, besides me, are there any other Jewish believers here in... Here we go. And <laughs> that's great. And, it, it, you know, you'll, you'll find us everywhere as believers. But as a nation, yes, but not universally. Because let's face it, if Christianity is wrong, it's our fault. We started it. There wasn't a Gentile in the bunch until Cornelius came around in Acts chapter 10. And that the Jews killed Christ. I'll never forget one time when we were ministering in Canada. <clears throat> and um, of course, Quebec has, was basically a uh, French Catholic province <clears throat> for, for many, many years. In fact, uh, as long ago or early ago, <laughs> shorter time ago as the 1940s, uh, people were put in jail for preaching the Gospels on the streets of Montreal and Quebec City. And so it was a pretty heavy-duty Catholic stronghold. And so, um, and many, uh, at that time during the, uh, during the 60s when we ministered there, they had the Canadian Centennial, which was their 100th anniversary. I worked in the Sermons from Science Pavilion, which was the Moody Science Institute Pavilion. There was a little French-Canadian girl came through and, through, and I was sharing the gospel with her, and I said, why did Jesus die? She says, well, the Jews killed him. Oh. I says, why did he die then? Well, the Jews killed him. I said, but what was the reason? Well, he died for sin. So I says, unless, so the Jews are the only ones, if he died for sin and then the Jews killed him, the Jews are the only ones who can be forgiven. She says, what, 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 slow down. So I said, she finally got the point that unless you as an individual acknowledge that you have sinned, then there's no forgiveness. So the point is that it was our sins that put Jesus on the cross. He died for our sins, okay? And that the Jews are out to get the Gentiles. Well, you can tell by the color of my hair, and I don't do this to get my senior discounts. I really don't. Uh, <clears throat> I've been taken by a lot of Gentiles over the years. So it's not, it's not unique, okay? Now, why do we find it hard to witness to Jews? Well, um, oh, I got to know this. I, gotta know, I have to know about the Talmud. I have to know about the Mishnah. I have to know about the Gemara. I have to know all these rules. Don't worry about that. You don't need to know that. You don't need to know that at all. You just need to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Now, amongst the Jewish people, there are various denominations. 
And let's start with the orthodox. That's my cousin, Haim Yankel. And, uh, uh, and of course, their view is that only the five books of Moses are divinely inspired. The Old Testament is inspired, but not to the extent of the five books of Moses. Okay? But, and that the, uh, uh, the Talmud and its commentaries are the real basis for faith and practice. Okay, that is the basis of Judaism. And I have a slide I'll show you, written uh, a, a quote by a very famous uh, Talmudic uh, scholar. Anyway, the, that, uh, and they tried to preserve the traditions and rituals of the law. Now, well, by, by the law, I don't mean the five books of Moses' law. It's the law of the oral, the oral law. Now, according to Jewish tradition, fiddler on the roof mentality, is that when God gave Moses the law at Mount Sinai, which he wrote down, the Torah shall be which he wrote down, he also gave Moses the law according to the mouth, the Torah shall bapeh, the Torah of the, the law of, of, of the mouth, which was not written. That's the basis, the oral law. Now, you can look high and low in your Old Testament. You won't find any of that. That's tradition, tradition. But that's the law that they go by. Now, also, they have considered itself, they consider themselves to be the true Judaism. They're the ones that keep airplanes from flying into Israel on the Sabbath. that shuts down. They're the ones that make you walk up to the 13th floor of your hotel on the Shabbat because unless you use the, the local, you can't push the button for the floor you want to be on because pushing the button is a form of work and you can't work on the Shabbat. So that is the law that they're trying to enforce on everybody. And they are the true Judaism. And when Netanyahu became prime minister, he had to work with these guys in order to, uh, the parties that believe this, in order to uh, uh, get, a, get his coalition together. So, and then uh, lastly here, they view the Messiah as a nationalistic redeemer and emancipator rather than spiritual. Now keep that in mind. They believe he's supernatural. He's superhuman, but not supernatural. The Jewish people traditionally do not think Messiah is God. That's why they can pull a guy like uh, Menachem Schneerson, who's passed away, and, and he died. He came from Poland, was in New York, Never been to Israel, but he was the Messiah because he was a very godly, spiritual-like fellow. And so Jewish people don't see Messiah as God. They see him as, uh, as not supernatural at all. Now, here is what uh, Rabbi Steinzaltz, who was an editor of the Talmud, get this. The Talmud was more influential than the Bible in front forming the Jewish nature, religion, and way of life. The Talmud is the backbone of Judaism. Without it, you don't have Judaism. You take away the, the, the scriptures, no problem. But you take away the Talmud, Mishnah, and the Gemara, and all that stuff, it falls apart. Because this is the Orthodox mindset. The Orthodox follow this. Maybe not all of them understand that, but that's what... The, that's according to their book. Now, 
the total opposite of that is Reform Judaism. Now, it began in Germany about 1750. They rebelled against all these strict laws and whatnot. And uh, they, they see uh, Judaism in a totally different light than the Orthodox. Now, the Orthodox, they, they like to uh, abandon a lot of these traditions. It's like growing up in an Orthodox environment, Reformed Jews were like Gentiles to us. <laughs> they didn't wear a skull cap. They didn't pray in Hebrew. They, didn't, they did everything totally different than the way I was raised. And so they weren't, they weren't kind of like us. And the Bible is not the inspired word of God. I'll never forget asking a Reformed rabbi, what is your view of the Old Testament? And he said, oh, that's the ancient writings of my primitive ancestors. That's the Reformed view. And... Um, and they try to practice an ethical monotheism, nothing spiritual, and they uh, abandon the total concept of the Messiah. Um, and they're very much like liberal Protestants, okay? Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the reform. So you have the Orthodox, very strict, and then you have very liberal. Then you have what, what's known... No, okay, we're good. Okay. Then in between are conservative Jews. Now, conservative Jews is kind of a made-in-America Judaism, kind of where I grew up, because when my folks came from the old country, they tried to follow as much as they could the Old Testament or the old Orthodox tradition, but you had to work on the Sabbath to make a living. So they compromised, and so it's a made-in-America uh, concept. And so depending on the rabbi, if he's more inclined to go orthodox, that's the tone of the, of the conservative synagogue. Like the one down the street used to be that way. I don't know what the present rabbi is, but if he's more liberal, then conservative going that way. So that's a kind of a compromise of uh, Judaism. Now, why do Jewish people oppose our witness? Well, you can see the number... If you ever see, and they're seeing less and less because they're passing away, a Jewish person with a number written on their lit wrist, it's probably indicative of the fact they were a survivor of the Holocaust. And if you saw the uh, hiding place, the story of Corrie Ten Boom, you saw that she had that star of David on her, her jacket. And there it says Juif, which means Jew in, Hebrew, in, in French. And so all the different pogrom, all the different persecutions, and if you have to sum it up in one word, here's what their attitude is. Well, we don't need any dialogue with Christians. The best they have to offer, they've demonstrated in 2,000 years of persecution, because that's what goes through the mind of older Jewish people. Maybe not so much the younger Jew Jewish people, but the, the, the middle-aged and older, and somewhat younger, that's their attitude, persecution. And so that's why um, there's such a difficulty with that. So, now how do you, how do you reach a, a group like this? We love them to life. That's the answer, or one of the answers. How do you do that? You develop a friendship, and they're looking at your actions. Not so much, oh, you're as, it's not so much the words, oh, we just love Jewish people. Well, they want to see actions. And then thirdly, your friendship's going to be tested. And I could tell you story after story about that, but it's going to be tested. You make up, for example, a, 
you have a, a rendezvous to have a cup of coffee or something, and the last minute they'll cancel on you. Hang in there. Okay, and then um, if you finally get a chance to sit down with your Jewish friend or family, um, you could tell them what your, the spiritual blessings that you get from Jewish people. Now, I'd ask you to share with one another, but I, can't, I know that if you say something over here, you're not going to hear it over there. So, but for example, some of the things you could share is that, look, because I, for the Jewish people have given me my Bible, I have meaning and purpose in life through faith in the Jewish Messiah. I mean, you could go through a whole litany of things that would, hey, you could tell your Jewish friends, you know? Uh, our former, he's emeritus now, director of the Friends of Israel, Ed McQuaid, when he gets on an airplane he, and he happens to sit down next to a Jewish guy, yeah, he'll say this. Well, he can do this. See, I can't. He can do it. He says, you know, I met a Jewish person one day that totally changed my life. And, of course, his Sikh mate was very interested. And who was that? Then he, had a ch he started witnessing. He says, his name was Messiah Jesus. Oh. Well, the guy's kind of a captive audience on the plane. I mean, what can you do? But that's, that was Elwood. So you can just share the spiritual blessings you have uh, from the Jewish people. And then also, let me encourage you, most Jewish people who come to know the Lord come through a loving Christian friend. There, as a Jewish missionary, I shot myself in the foot because you guys can reach Jewish people easier than us. Why? Because you're not supposed to believe in Jesus. As a Gentile, you are, in their mind, supposed to believe. So you got every right to say, what you can about your faith. And so, I'll give you an example. You've heard John talk about his professor, Dr. Charles Feinberg, at Talbot years ago. Dr. Dr. Feinberg was studying to be a rabbi, and he had a neighbor there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, from Jamaica. And she would say to this young man who was studying to be a rabbi, Charles, what does this say in Hebrew? What does this mean? And she was asking very strategically questions. And little by little, God's word, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, got the child's fiber that when he went to Dallas Seminary, he didn't take an hour of Hebrew. He taught it. <laughs> and he was won by a, uh, a woman who probably, if she got to high school, I don't know. But most Jewish, and me included, it wasn't a Jewish missionary that got to me. It was someone who just shared with me and challenged me to read the New Testament. So when you develop that friendship, this is what you can do. Now, how to witness to your Jewish friends? Well, you can invite them to dinner. Most Jewish people don't have a problem with what they call in Yiddish treif, which is like ham and pork and all that stuff, but uh, stay with brisket or chicken, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I'll never forget, in Montreal, on the Day of Atonement, all the Jews are fasting, you know, but as soon as the sun goes down, they head off to the Chinese restaurants. I mean, I'm not kidding, Ruby Foods, Bill Wong's, you name it, they were there. Anyway, um, so you can invite them to dinner. Now, if they're orthodox and kosher, they may not come. And don't feel slighted because your kitchen isn't 
what they would have. So figure out a different way to get together. And then if you have a chance, share Isaiah 53. Now people say, well, it's not in the Jewish Bible. Yes, it is. But if you get a copy of the Old Testament, it's called the Holy Scriptures. It's not called the Bible. It's called the Holy Scriptures. They have at the beginning of each uh, uh, edition the listing of what passages are read every day, every Sabbath in the, in the year for all synagogues worldwide. They come to Isaiah 52, verse 12, and they stop. They skip the last four verses of Isaiah 52, all of 53, and pick it up again at 54. It's there, but it's never read. So if you attend the synagogue your whole life, you will never, ever, ever, ever hear Isaiah 53 read. And so share it with them. In fact, I did that one time with a guy who was a, a space scientist. He developed stuff that, you, that they put on the moon to measure moonquakes or something. He was married to a, a Christian gal, and he was sick from, uh, he was off of work that day, and I was over at his house, and I said, let me read something to you. What are you going to read, New Testament, Old Testament? I said, let me just read to you, and then you tell me. So I read Isaiah 53, and he says, oh, uh, that's talking about Jesus. I says, where is it? He says, well, one of the Gospels. I said, yeah, you're right there, the Gospel according to Isaiah. And so... <laughs> And he just about fell out of his chair, because it's right there. And unless you've been on the backside of the moon, reading Isaiah 53, you have to come up with Jesus. That's what I did. And, and you can go to a synagogue. There's nothing that'll be said or done there that, that uh, would compromise your faith. Just a clue that, just like when we stand, when John reads the word, when you see behind the, the, and actually they call the pulpit area the bima, the bima, they open the curtains and you see the Torah scrolls, you stand up, at least in the Orthodox. I don't know about the Reform, I don't know. But anyway, you can attend a synagogue, but be careful. After the service, they have a little, uh, what they, you know, uh, uh, refreshment time. They use real wine. And... <laughs> And I told the group I, we took to a synagogue years ago, I said, I warned them about that. And some guy comes up to me, hey, Marty, there's real wine. I said, what do I do? I said, you better find a tree, okay? And uh, <laughs> he did. But, but they're just trying to be hospitable. So uh, you attend the synagogue and then um, have a religious exchange. Now, this is an Old Testament class. They're going to be talking about the Old Testament. Feel free to invite your friends to the sojourners, okay? Now, if John's going to be talking something in the Old Testament, fine. Uh, they may not understand the uh, New Testament uh, uh, exposition, but Old Testament they will. And so feel free to invite your Jewish friend to the sojourners, but be sure to save them a seat, okay? And so... <laughs> um, and you want to use proper terms. You wonder why Jewish people don't hear you? Well... Jewish people have been persecuted in the name of Christ, but not in the name of the Messiah. So you talk about Messiah Jesus or Jesus Messiah, it goes down a little easier on the ears. And so you need to define what a Christian is, because a Christian is one who's been persecuting Jews. Now let me share with you a, a definition that I read from a rabbi. He said a Christian is a believer in and follower of Jesus as the Messiah. That's a good definition. 
Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, do you follow him, though? And then talking about confession of sins, Jews don't, confession is Catholic in their thinking. It's more like the Russians. They, they repent, repent of sin. You repent of your sin. And so you talk about the fact that you repented of your sins. And you don't say, well, I got a Jewish friend who's a missionary. He loved to talk to you. <laughs> you wave that flag in front of the bull, and they're not going to talk to you. You don't use the word just Jewish missionary. I'll be glad to talk to any of your friends. And we can arrange a time to get together, because we just live in Santa Clarita. We're not that far. And so uh, we'll be glad to do that. But to say, I have a Jewish friend in our con congregation. If we say church, they get a little antsy. But congregation, that's how they talk about their fellowship, congregation that uh, believes like I do. So that's a, use, use proper terms. Now, be tactful like this guy. You get a Bible and start whacking them, you know? Uh, <laughs> Jewish people may be curious, but they don't want others to know. So deal with them individually. And then listen to his opinion. Jews have opinion. You ask three Jews a question, you get four answers, you know? So um, that's what you want to do. And then you need to ask questions wisely. Jesus did that. You know, who do men say that I am? Questions that, are, that they have to talk, not yes or no answers, but just who do, you know, uh, they need to think about it a little bit. Ask questions uh, wisely, like, do you attend synagogue here? Uh, what's your thought about the Messiah? What's your thought about the Bible? Let them talk about it. Ask questions. And then, and then you can share your appreciation for American Jews, like, well, of course, uh, Dr. Salk, Dr. Sabin with the vaccines for polio. I knew, you know, some of us remember when summertime was a scary thing in, in, in this country where summer meant polio. In fact, I have a cousin back in New Jersey who she's still suffering from polio. But Dr. Sabin, the, the, the Wasserman test when you get married and all different things in medicine, in the music, Yasha Heifetz, Yitzhak Perlman, all different things. I used to be able to say in comedy, like, uh, you know, some of us remember, um, you know, Benny, uh, Jack Benny and, and uh, what's it, George and Gracie Allen and Fred Allen and all those things. But those guys are gone now. But there's a great deal we can share. And of course, Einstein, of course, he came from Germany, but he became an American. So we have a lot to be thankful for what the Jewish people have provided us with, and are still providing us with, a lot of our technology. Now, don't push. You can't push a string. Try to push a string. You can't, but you can pull them. You can pull a string. So don't push. If they start to change the subject, fine, let them save it for next time. Now, um, you need to let the Holy Spirit uh, guide you as you share with your Jewish friends. Now, here's a couple of questions you could ask. How would you recognize the Messiah if he came? And you say, well, that's a question that my rabbi could answer. No, 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 I don't want to hear your rabbi. What do you think? Well, uh, I don't know. Well, uh, do you know what the Jewish Bible says about him? They probably won't have a clue. And finally, you can say, well, do you mind if I take a few minutes and show you what the what the Jewish Bible says about him. Now, you can get a copy of the Jewish Bible 
in English, and it's not written, notice the book, it's not backwards. The Hebrew Bible goes from right to, you know, you open from the right side. And you can get a good copy of it. Um, you want to make a note, if you can get a copy of Isaac Leeser's translation, that is the best, because in the other translation, the Jewish Publication Society, the JPS version, they kind of play with the, 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 the English. But Isaac Leeser doesn't do that. We can talk more about that after if you want to know the difference. But anyway, and show what the scriptures say about him and let them see it for themselves. It's all there. You know, the other, um, a couple of weeks ago when Greg Fraser gave his presentation, he didn't even use the New Testament, did he? Uh, you know something? I didn't get past Matthew 1.23 before I became a Christian. It was all there in the Old Testament. What did Andrew say to Peter? We found him of whom the Moses and the prophets spoke. It's all there. there were, the, New, the New Testament disciples didn't have a, a New Testament. They wrote it, but they didn't have it. So they had the Old Testament. So you can find the Messiah and everything we need to know in that sense in the Old Testament, it's all there. But we need to know where it is. And that's why we have on the back table there, how would you recognize, how appropriate, how would you recognize the Messiah? And it, it's there for you to take. And, and then there's another booklet we have, One God or Three. Jewish people have a real hang up with the Trinity. And that's, I have another presentation on how to answer objections, but this is, something you can share, because it's all in the Old Testament. Uh, again, playing with words. And you know, Jewish people today are intermarrying like crazy. Well, I don't feel so bad, because I did too, but uh, <laughs> all of my wives have been Gentiles. I've never been married to a Jewish girl. But I, I tell Pat, I think from some of her attitudes, Somewhere back in her background, she's some Jewish people. Anyway, what's your super duper? I mean, I just love it. Anyway, intermarriage. And I shared this with a lady whose nephew uh, or niece married a Jewish guy. This was a few years ago. And he got saved. And from what I heard last, he was an elder in their church up in, up in the Central Valley. So intermarriage. That's really interesting because Dave Levy starts off. So you did it. Contrary to the advice of family and friends and the rabbi, you married a Gentile. That's how it starts off. <laughs> well, it's written by Dave Levy, a nice Irish name, you know? So, uh, now these are for Jewish people. Now, how do you share with Jewish people? You say, look, I picked this up at our congregation, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. Okay? You're asking for an opinion? They have an opinion. So that's how you do it. Because uh, you don't say, this is for Jewish people, you ought to read it. No, 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 that's not going to work. So, it's opinion. Now, we do have one for Christians, believe it or not. Behold, the bridegroom comes, written by Rennie Showers. He's with the Lord now. But Dr. Showers, this is showing the return of Christ as, uh, in, uh, or the rapture as pictured in the Jewish wedding ceremony. So, those are available for you there. So, now, what can we say about him? And of course, messianic prophecies, they're here. And most of them you probably already know. Isaiah 9-6, Isaiah uh, Micah 5-2, things like I said, you put on Christmas cards, you know them by heart. 
And then, of course, the rest is Isaiah 53. And so you can share that with your Jewish friends. And uh, then at the end of sharing that, you could say, can you think of anybody in history who fulfills this? Well, like I said, unless they've been on the backside of the moon, there's only one person in, who's ever walked this planet that could fulfill that, and that's the Lord Jesus. So um, be yourself uh, and um, ask questions. And also, you listen to their responses. And then from there, you can formulate what you're going to say. And then also, you can share and show why you believe from the scriptures. From the scriptures. And also, uh, encourage them to read. If they don't have a, a, a copy of the Bible, encourage them to get one. The Legacy Standard, the ESV is good. Share it with them. Many, like I said, don't have a Bible at all. And then... Know these basic messianic passages. Uh, well, I don't know if you want to call it the Isaiah's road rather than the Romans road, but whatever road you want to take, use it. And then share your, your personal testimony. Of course, if you've not been living for the Lord, keep your mouth shut because we've had enough bad press already. So uh, don't say anything. So uh, this is just a kind of an idea of what we talk about in our next one. But these are some of the... Uh, some of the things we deal with of, of, of in witnessing to our Jewish friends. Now, as I said before, um, uh, let me see, let me turn, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, that's a later thing. Okay, let me go back. Okay. Anyway, we are with the Friends of Israel, which is a mission that started back in 1938, started by some Christian lay people in Philadelphia when they saw what was going on in Europe. And... Uh, and so they started a Christian uh, Friends of Israel missionary and uh, help society. But we also still help. But we have published this magazine, Israel, My Glory. Some of you get it. Uh, and it comes out uh, every other month. And if you'd like to have a free one-year trial subscription, just put your name on the list we have back here. And I'll teach you a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word to write legibly is print. Print, and so it makes it very difficult for us to get it to you if we can't read your handwriting. So, like, and this is the latest issue. I have just a few copies of it, but uh, you remember just a little while ago, Kanye West really went on a rant against Jewish people. Well, Chris Katalka, who's our North American director, has a real answer to that. But there's this is a Bible study magazine dealing with. Uh, uh, different topics, Bible study topics, uh, questions, and uh, but this particular theme of this is anti-Semitism. And you know something? We talked, we see this happening all over the place, but the worst form of anti-Semitism you can ever think of is to not share the gospel with a Jewish person. Because, sure, you can kill the body but you can't kill the soul. So don't be afraid to talk to your Jewish friend. They may reject it. I know I did for a long time, but then God in his providence brought things around to where I could see the truth on this. And also Friends of Israel this year has a whole bunch of different programs and we do have online free Bible classes and you can do that with Zoom and whatever that deal with different topics and that's all 
free for you. And then we were just talking with a couple of young men a while ago. We have a, a trip to Israel, but they're not just trips for sightseeing. We call it Origins for Young People, where you go and spend three weeks working with other Israelis, like in a food distribution center. We used to work with hospitals, but because of COVID, they don't want a lot of foreigners running around their hospitals, so they shut that down. So we found a, a way we can have young people work with shoulder to shoulder with other Israelis to have them uh, uh, help out with this kind of a program. Then for older folks, they have a chesed program where they do the same thing. So it works out that very nicely. And so we have different programs. So just pick up a, a card that says, know your love and show your love to the Jewish people. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm running a little early, but uh, we have, we'll be here after and have questions. We'll be over at the table there for any of you that want to know more about what we do. We have a Zoom Bible study on our, uh, we've been doing since COVID. We have local people, some are even here in, the, uh, in, in our sojourners, but we also have people Zooming in from Colorado, from Texas, Michigan, Illinois, and a couple even from Quebec, which is like three hours behind. But they zoom, we start at 7 o'clock California time, and they're Zooming in at 10. So that's real dedication. So we're grateful for those. So we've seen it, we've actually seen it grow to the point where, where these folks are, are part. We've never met them, but they become part of our Zoom family. So anyway, I have... Uh, uh, that's that's the story that I want to share with you. Don't be afraid to share with your Jewish friends because ultimately uh, God's spirit will bring them to faith in the Lord Jesus. And if they don't, then at least your hands are clean because, you know, the watchman upon the wall in Jeremiah says he was warned that if if you don't warn them and they're, and they're defeated, then it's your fault. But if you do warn them and they and they turn away, then there's no blood on your hands. So we're going to be available for prayer, uh, for, for, for questions afterwards, but I'm going to close with a word of prayer now. Heavenly Father, we come to you this afternoon thanking you for this fellowship of people, sojourners. We're all sojourners on their way to the promised land, the land that you have promised us where uh, there is no sin there is no evil, there is no illness, there is no sickness, there is no death. For eye has not seen nor ear heard of the glories that will be ours. And we're truly grateful for the, the ones who told us about how we could have our sins forgiven, that we may come into a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I just pray that each one of us here this afternoon who knows you in a personal way and should there be anybody here that really doesn't know you, we pray that your spirit would speak to their hearts and give them no shalom until they come to know the shalom that only you can give through faith in Messiah Jesus. And we thank you that uh, as we share this truth that hearts and lives can be changed and will be changed because of your gospel. We thank you for uh, the leadership for Joe and for Abner and for others who are in leadership here. And we Pray that by your spirit you would be with Abner and his family as they prepare for the memorial for his mom. And we know about that, having gone through it ourselves. 
And so, Father, we just ask that by your Spirit you would challenge us and, and even uh, give us opportunities to uh, share with our Jewish friends, neighbors, classmates, co-workers, whatever, that we may be able to uh, bring them along to know you, who to know a, a right is life eternal and life abundant. And for this we give you thanks, for we ask all of this for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. Amen.